Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Slick Pivot Sessions. I'm Liz Ward, the UK's first pivot coach and founder of Slick Pivot. This is the podcast where I dig, delve and deconstruct the journeys of people who have successfully pivoted their careers or businesses. I know it can feel rough when you're at a pivot point, so we'll be stripping back the sugar coating and uncovering the pitfalls and progress of our guests, unearthing some practical advice for those of you wanting to make a change. Stay listening for help in cracking the formula for making a pivot in your life or work. Today, my guest is Lucy Werner, PR expert, founder of The Wern and best-selling author. Lucy is amazing and she shares her personal story of scaling down her PR agency and pivoting to teaching small business owners how to do their own PR. The Wern has now evolved into a family business run out of a garden office in East London. Lucy's first book, Hype Yourself, a no-nonsense DIY toolkit for small businesses, is an amazing guide with practical tips on how to get publicity for your business. Lucy tells us how she wrote the book in three months, how she made some bold decisions to design her career, and why she is prioritising her children right now. No pivot is ever slick and Lucy shares all here. We talk about resilience, getting clear on your objectives and why we are all constantly pivoting to create careers that work for us. There's loads of tips on raising your own profile and making things happen. I loved recording this slick pivot session and I think you will enjoy listening too. Grab a cuppa and enjoy. And if you do like what you hear, please subscribe, write a written review and a star rating on Apple Podcasts. These actions really help us grow the podcast and bring you amazing guests like Lucy. Let's do this. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for coming on the Slick Pivot Sessions. Thank you for having me, Liz Slick Pivot. (laughs) Um, So excited about this conversation. Um, (laughs) I've been observing your pivot journey and been involved in parts of it. And um, I'm really (laughs) looking forward to like bringing bringing your story to the listeners um, because it's really interesting. And I know you have been on uh, through quite a lot of highs and lows over the last few years. So I wanted to start um, at a pivot point for you, which was two years ago. (laughs) <laughs> where we actually had a conversation. We did. Where you, you were <laughs> a in <panicked> conversation. <laughs> yeah, you were in your PR agency, mm. and you were really questioning what to do next. And I wonder if you could share what was going on for you there. Yeah, of course. So at that point, I just returned from my first maternity leave, and. Um, I really thought I was going to return to work at three months and I ended up returning to work at six months and I just, I, I didn't want to be full time. I knew that in my gut. Um, a lot of my clients had kind of been holding for me to return at six months. Um, well, they were waiting for me to return at three months when I wasn't there at six months. There was definitely a lot of uncertainty with them because I think they were okay with me not being there for a period of time, but not being back full-on was something that they weren't all comfortable with. So you had the Wern, which was a PR yeah. agency for startups. Yes. In building, how long had you been building that before you went on that? So thing? at that point, I think it had been going three years. And, um, you know, I was the face of the business. I didn't have a co-founder. I had a great team in place, but ultimately I built the client, I built the business 
foolishly kind of myself the face of it and so my clients wanted me there and they wanted lots of access to me and I think from having time away from the business I realized that what I was doing was building an agency and that wasn't what I had set out to do I'd set out to create a publicity service for small businesses because when I was working in a big agency it just wasn't affordable for all these amazing small business owners out there like lots of London agencies are looking at a minimum of like five grand a month turnover and lots of the people I were meeting in my network didn't have that but had great businesses and I was trying to find a way to serve them but instead of which I was sort of re- replicating a more boutique version of a London PR agency and that wasn't really what I'd set out to do. Right so you, your original vision was to kind of help the smaller guys and, yeah. um, and then you ended up kind of creating a business that I suppose you knew how to do because you'd worked in those organizations. Yeah. <laughs> and so, it was just, yeah, I didn't really think about it. And I was also taking a lot of mentorship from men at that time. Um, yeah. I'm not trying to like man bash it, but I was, it was a lot of kind of former bosses or people who'd run big ad agencies. So their mentality was also like, just grow it to sell it, grow it to turn over a million. Once you hit a million, you'll be of interest to other people. And so I kind of, had that weirdly as my business goal and but it wasn't my goal it was sort of theirs being channeled through me and I I just didn't I just didn't notice I guess yeah so the advice that you were hearing was kind of like industry standards this is what you're supposed to do if you've got an agency this is the steps you should follow and so you kind of found yourself naturally following those steps yeah yeah yeah. and and you and you had your little baby at this point and you've gone on a trip for your maternity leave hadn't you (laughs) yeah so you know I was supposed to take shared parental leave and return to work full-time and Adrienne was going to take full care of the child um but when it came to it I was like I don't want to go back um what you know what do we do and it was important to us that the baby was bilingual that Adrian was you know living in England to work but his French identity was a huge part of who he was and he wanted to bring that in quite early on into our family and the way we raised our child together so we basically decided we would go on a tour of France visiting all of his family because he was born in the north but moved to the south and I kind of worked remotely two days a week whilst traveling around France with him, which wasn't, that was not part of the plan, but that was just a major shared parental leave pivot in my maternity leave journey. Mm, And they're like the classic freedom career, working from a laptop, traveling. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it was hard. You know, it was definitely moments where I just thought, oh, it'd be good to totally not have this at all and just be present. Mm. But I needed money so, so, yeah, so, so it's not able to switch it on and be able yeah. to work and keep in to, as opposed to fund the trip yeah I mean we I'd saved up a lot of money in my maternity leave and Adrienne at that time was working for a company that was paying a large proportion of his salary still even as part of shared parental leave which is very unusual so we were in quite a privileged position yeah. And so after you had that break, well, the break whilst working two days a week, you mm. then like, oh, I'm supposed to be going back to work properly now when you get back to England and mm. you decided you didn't want to. And so I, think I decided, I knew do? I didn't want, I knew I didn't want to, I didn't see the business as being financially viable when I returned. You know, I had a lot of full-time staff, the freelancers, it wasn't so much of a problem, but I normally forecast 
sort of six months in advance the three the the future sort of quarter quite a lot in detail and there was nothing on the books for the next quarter coming in all there was was client losses and I was just like I'm gonna have to plug the gap here myself to keep it going with the team and I so don't get even out have... do do new business development bring in some new yeah. clients grow the existing and I just didn't have it I just didn't have that same drive like I had before and my instincts were like nurture myself and my baby I didn't I just before it was fine if there wasn't enough money in the bank I'd pay the team first always as you should be doing but I was suddenly in a position where I was like it's not just me now I have you know I need to take an income to support the family um so I wasn't in a position where I could just carry the team for a few months and not pay myself in a way that I had been in the past Mm, so it was change ahead so at that point you you know you had a new vision you were shaping a new idea what what was going on in your head for the for the business and for you as a lifestyle I mean I think I remember sort of speaking to you and I knew that I needed to get rid of the team and that was a really difficult decision and actually at that point in time I felt a lot of shame and um, failure that I had not made the business more profitable, that there wasn't more money in the bank that I I had set up around me when I should have set up more around maybe a, having a co-founder and a wider team. Um, and I, I kind of actually hid for a year. Um, I wasn't really on social media. I was just taking on projects that were well paid and doing two days a week. But really, I didn't see anybody to get that sort of work done. I was kind of doing a four day week in two days, which is perfectly possible. Um, But I just hid from everybody. So when I was doing those two days a week working, I wasn't taking phone calls. I wasn't seeing people. I wasn't going networking. I wasn't learning anything. Just, you know, really just hiding from the world, head down, get the money in. So you, do, um, you, you had head down. So you were, were you consulting for other companies and providing your skill set? A mixture. I was doing a lot of white labeling for PR agencies that couldn't secure um, press coverage for chief execs. Um, it's one of the things I'm quite good at doing is raising like founders' profiles. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of work around that kind of white labeled. I had a couple of projects of my own. Um, and actually, I was doing a lot of work for um, the innovation arm of Mother London they had a couple of projects that they farmed out my way, which were really fun, really cool sort of startup brands, but that had a, a kind of nice project fee. That, and they were flexible to me just doing two days a week. And that was the main thing. It was being able to sort of say to people, you know, outside of a Tuesday and Wednesday, if it's an emergency, I'll respond. But I, I couldn't be taking these client work on that would be saying, actually, you know, if there's an emergency at four o'clock on a Friday, I wouldn't be able to deal with that. Mm. Mm. so you were managing those family boundaries but you said you were you kind of hiding that was hidden been... really hidden yeah and do you know what, what it's... thing that was keeping was it was it the fear the, the fear of people thinking you'd failed or what, what? yeah yeah because I'd been quite public in in the growth of the agency and I was proud of it and so I really put my flag in the sand there was photos of me and my team like out in publicity shots you know, I talked about hiring an apprentice for National Apprenticeship Week. Um, and also, I think, you know, I, I think to be a great boss and a great leader is a job in itself. Yes, and I 100%. didn't want to do that. I wanted, to, I wanted to do publicity. And so I don't think I was a very good boss or leader. Um, I think 
I could under pressure I'd really buckle and I you know I could be known for sort of like losing my temper or getting quite sort of stressed out um because I always wanted to deliver great work and I'd panic if I felt like we weren't doing that. Mm. Um, and actually, I think if my full-time job was just nourishing a team and being a leader, I would take the time to really learn the craft of doing that and do that. But you can't sort of be the face of the business and do the work and lead the team yeah, it's, on your own. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to take on. And um, I think nobody's taught to be a leader you know you, t- you you learn your craft of like the skill set you know whatever you're working on i know you know your specialism is pr you learn that for experience and leading people you're expected to know that as well so um uh, especially when you're working for yourself you, you know you're having to do so many things and wear so many hats that mm. It's like, and, you know, like, either you go full on to learn, like, I'm going to be a real leader here and I'm going to out, you know, let everybody else do the work. But it sounds yeah. like the work was, was what I was, was doing a lot of the work and I, and I enjoyed a lot of the work. That was like, that is what my kind of passion was. But also, you know, when you have multiple clients and you're overseeing like multiple clients and nowadays you've got, they would be contacting us because of the way we worked as an agency. It was very modern. So we had some people messaging us on Slack, some on WhatsApp, some on email, some would be picking up the phone. So at any one point I'd be sort of having a team meeting and you could see kind of like five different clients contacting you yeah, all at the same all time. Angles. Yeah. And then, and then that's aside from journalists wanting information, which is kind of like the knee jerk thing of like, as soon as a journalist asks for something, you deliver it immediately. Um, See, it is quite, it is a highly pressurized job and it is quite stressful. Mm. It sounds sounds stressful and it sounds quite high pressure, fast paced, like literally things coming at you from every angle and you haven't react. And when you didn't have the responsibility of the baby, maybe that's, you know, you were fire, you had that fire in your belly and it sounded like then there was a shift. It's like, is this the kind of business I want to be running? This is not what I expected to be doing. No, not at all. And, um, and that's why I guess in that, in that year I kind of went away and I licked my, my wounds quite a lot. And I just sort of thought about what I really wanted. And I was offered some really lucrative contracts in that time, which were really difficult to say no to because you're obviously thinking, well, that's not, that's not mortgage. That's me covered. Um, but I knew in my heart it wasn't right. And I had to really reposition what it was that I wanted. So so I kind of sat dormant really till October 2018. And then I spent some money on some headshots for myself. And I always say to people, if you want to raise your profile, raise your brand, spend the money on your headshots. Because if you get booked to speak at an event or you're on a podcast or you're in the newspaper, like they're going to ask you for a decent photo of yourself. And if you're raising your profile on social media, it's also good to have a few different options. But also if you invest in yourself, you then are kind of forced. So I spent um, the best part of sort of, I think I, think I spent 500 pounds on my, on my um, press shots mm-hmm. and I got mates rates, should have been more than that. But I got a good bank of images and I thought, right, okay, I've invested in this now. I need to start putting myself out there. And at that point, I had just got pregnant with baby number two. And I thought, okay, I need to be thinking ahead now. What can I be doing when I'm on, in inverted commas, maternity leave? And for the next few years, 
without a team that can give me an income that is flexible. And it was at that point that I started um, the kind of pivot of, of raising my own profile as a PR expert. Yes. And I had on my vision board to, to do a book that I wanted to do online courses, that I wanted to do coaching, that I wanted to be more of a teacher and expert and be booked to do workshops and still kind of keep one foot in that PR world. Because I think if you're not doing any publicity for anybody, you're not keeping your foot in the door. You don't, you know, you, it, it's I like think keeping you can the craft still, alive, isn't it? You know, like yeah. keeping fresh. You with need to the keep the muscle work. going. Yeah. You know, I have to keep flexing that publicity muscle. And it feeds me as well. You know, one of the ways I really nourish myself is to read the newspapers because it just gives me so many ideas of stories and trends and what the reporters are writing on. And it's the most sort of forgotten bit of the PR craft. Um, but, you know, the basic thing is read the publications you want to be in. Yeah, yeah, and immerse yourself because that's where creativity comes. And I love your, you do little updates, don't you, sometimes on, on, on the Sunday papers, which uh, always make <laughs> yeah. me smile because you're, the way that your brain works when you read a newspaper is different to like, you know, the, the normal reader. Um, <laughs> yeah, I and, get that quite a lot from people. Like I get really nice feedback when I do the Sunday papers. Um, and it's really funny because it's not something I sort of think about but everybody else is like god it's so weird how you read them and I was like yeah I guess I yeah, do I do you've got a superpower <laughs> <laughs> so you so it's funny because I, I interviewed Susie Redding um in, earlier in this podcast and oh, yeah, we, both talk, we both talked about how when you get pregnant you suddenly get very clear yes. you know because your priority is deadline yeah you're on a deadline nothing like a baby like a deadline and it focuses you and you go okay actually what do I want what life do I want to create for this family what life do I want to create for me what kind of working mum do I want to be and especially with baby t baby number two you've kind of been through a bit of a <laughs> test run on like what it's all like um so so you're at this point you had your headshots you were you know putting together a strategy and the the idea of the book was still there so what happened how did we get to the book <laughs> so do you know what actually there's a key component there that um that i've missed out which is that adrianne who um you know we've already mentioned is not only my kind of my creative partner in my business but also my baby daddy but he um does branding and design so i kind of said to him you know i want to go out with these headshots i want to start pushing my profile I feel like my Instagram just doesn't represent me and I kind of want to use it like a billboard, right? So the billboard doesn't sell the product, but when you see the product everywhere on billboards, it reminds you to get it. And so I thought as part of my journey to get the book, I need to start billboarding like myself as a PR service, as a helpful service that's affordable for people. And I want to have a, a big, fun, bright, colorful brand. You know, I'm quite punchy and direct sometimes um you know i can be meek and insecure and all the other things that that we all have but um i kind of i like to think that i'm like fun and bright and colorful and um adrian sort of went off and came up with some backgrounds for me that he gave to me as my christmas present <laughs> it's funny actually i know <laughs> that al got you your he didn't he get you your podcast mic my microphone i'm talking into now yeah he got me that for mother's day he's like here you go darling go and <laughs> do your vision like, and it's so we lovely need, we need pushes from the men sometimes so he well, kind I, of yeah i think they can kind of see the the you know the desire and then like you know having a 
a helpful partner that has got a skill set and that is able to support you and go, you know, I believe in you, darling. Here you are. Like, here's yeah. what, and that's what uh, they both did for us, which I think it, it, it definitely, it took me a while to get going with the podcast, but definitely like gave me a nudge, I know, to, let's take this seriously now. Let's, let's actually, this is for the family. It's not just me messing around. It's for the family and let's go for it. Yeah, Adrienne says that a lot, like, you know, we're family. And um, I think it's, I feel really like privileged that I have his support. And I'm very lucky that I have a complimentary <laughs> skill set in him. But yeah, so he, he literally just kind of created um, on Sheets of A3 loads of different backgrounds. And then he helped me kind of create some Instagram templates. And actually, he would kill me if I sort of told everybody that I started with photos and then Instagram templates, and then we created the brand because for him, that is completely the wrong way around to do it. But that's how I did it. (laughs) Um, Don't do it that way. Um, But I think um, he then helped me create my brand guidelines of kind of who I am, what I stand for, what my colors are, what my fonts are. And then it was sort of like, right, Thunderbirds are go. And I basically just came out of the gate in January, giving out as much free content as I could, primarily on Instagram. And who were you helping? Kind of- you were helping one-man bands, food startups. Like, who were you helping at that point? Um, so I, I had two very specific audiences in mind. So one is kind of like the people who might have a side hustle or freelancers or people just bit at the beginning of their business journey. And then I also kind of like the almost sort of start up to scale up businesses that have a bit of funding that maybe might want to use me for like a three to six month consultancy project. Um, and that kind of more, I guess, my kind of LinkedIn crew, I guess, is where I, my sort of other audience play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just giving out like really obvious, to me, what were really obvious tips, but to other people, um, they're really they were like, oh, this is really helpful. And it's funny. Yeah, because what you know, other people don't know, like what is a press release? Like how yeah. do you get oh, God, I hate them. You know, um, there's, there's very, very, because you're an expert in it, it's often you forget that it's ingrained, but it's, it's useful to others. Because I think it's often, it's that PR mindset as well. Like when you're talking about how I read the papers, one of my, some, a lot of my most popular posts are how I respond to things on Netflix because I always see a PR angle in them. So I think like, I talked about um, the Fire Festival documentary and um, Kathy Burke's documentary. Oh, I love that. Ka- that Kathy Burke documentary post I did was, is still like one of the most engaged posts I've ever had on my Instagram. And I'm not even particularly talking about PR. It's just my kind of like PR spin on what I've seen. Um, so yeah, it was kind of, I was sort of finding my voice and finding my feet and actually it was really helpful to me because it gave me ideas of what people were interested in. Because sometimes I post stuff, like I did one on signatures the other day and how Adrienne has done his and I thought it was, I thought that was like gold and literally nobody cared. And I didn't sort of care that much about it because I was like, well, I thought it was really good. Maybe it was a weird time of day that I posted it or maybe you're not interested. But for me, that's still like a good nugget of information. So I still share stuff, even if I think some, I think basically my point on that bit is that lots of people share stuff for clickbait. And actually I just share stuff that I think is going to be useful. Mm -hmm. But the stuff that then turns into clickbait is what I kind of then used for the book or I use for talks or for guest posts, or I try and give as tips if I'm, you know, at an event or something. 
you're kind of like we're creating this content and then you knew when it came to writing the book ah this is the stuff that people really want to know yeah well actually I took a bit of a gamble on the book you know because I think again going against the clickbait thing when you see other PRs talking online or lots of sponsored content on PR it's very much framed around do you want to get in Forbes do you want to get on TV? Would you like to get your business in the Guardian, for example? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that that necessarily is what's going to help people's businesses. I think what helps people's businesses is a well thought out publicity plan, which starts with your business objectives and the why you're doing the publicity in the first place, right? So I want to publicize myself for the book. Therefore, press coverage for me doesn't work that hard as it does say an event when I go to an event I can immediately see the uplift in sales on the book mm-hmm. so it's kind of like testing and learning to see like what really works for your service or product based business um so yeah so basically roundabout built got the brand started putting the content out there did a 10-day book proposal challenge with a woman called Alison Jones um she is a business book expert and has a, her own publishing company. And once a quarter, she runs this 10 day challenge where you learn to write your own book proposal. And at the and end of it- Is that can... free? No, it's paid for. Um, it was a hundred pounds, I believe now, cause it's so popular, she's put it up to 199 because I think a lot of people were just spending a hundred quid and then not doing it. Okay. Um, so she wanted- So she was trying to control really like the numbers. It. Yeah. So. At the end, she marks all of the proposals and gives them back to you. So you can either take it to an agent or you can take it yourself to the commissioning editors of the business book. So by the end of the 10 days, you basically have a book proposal. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And I um, knew that I wanted my book to be different from all these other PR books that were saying, here's how to get press coverage. So mine was like a real working toolkit all the training I've ever had in the 16 years I've done publicity and started with this is the strategy that you need before you do anything then chapter two is like this is everything you need in your toolkit before you even speak to anybody and then chapters three and four were like the tactics of how you actually go out and I try and include things like the different types of journalists an email format that you can replicate to pitch because I think people um you know they sort of get lost in like all the maelstrom of like information and nobody was really just clearly spelling it out mm-hmm. this is what you write in your subject line this it's, is what I you mean, write it in is your email so clear and really easy to follow your book it's it's like i mean it says you know it's a no nonsense pr toolkit for small businesses it really is and anyone <laughs> with a small business can literally pick it up and go right what are lucy's tips on this i mean i had an interview with um with the earth too uh, recently and I'm like okay what does Lucy say about this and so it's it, it's really really practical and I think that's what sets it apart a little bit um and it's fun as well it's not written in a very boring way <laughs> I think it's just for me the, the main difference between it that book my book and other publicity books is nobody else was kind of doing that strategy and that the, the sort of the thinking up front and that's the bit that I felt like was missing that's the bit that actually nobody's interested in. It's not the clickbait bit. If I talk about planning or organizing yourself on Instagram, no one's going, yeah, that's sexy information. I'm going to start sharing that to all my followers. Mm -hmm. But it was to me, that was the important bit. 
So I had to really like keep to my integrity and my values of like what it was I was trying to get people to do. And I think they basically respected me for it. As I was kind of like, stop doing it this way and do it like this. I know what I'm talking about. And they were like, oh, okay. And so I kind of went against the mainstream a little bit. Yeah, Um, and stuck to your guns and didn't get swayed by maybe what you thought you should do. (laughs) This is what you actually think. Yeah. Um, so then I did the book proposal challenge and I was keen as mustard. I knew exactly what the book was going to be about. I was replying to the kind of emails she sent out every morning at the crack of dawn. You know, I was ready and I was like, I am going to win this. And I burst into the living room and said to Adrienne, I've won! <laughs> so one person from the whole course could win and you won. Yeah. But at yeah. that point I hadn't. I was just pretending. And he oh. was he was like what are you doing I was like I just you know I just want to know what it feels like to win and on the day that Alison was announcing who won I emailed myself in the subject line said and the winner is and then I typed my name in large font and I sent it to myself oh my goodness I love that and um and then I did this thing I don't know if anybody ever does this but as I was walking on the Facebook I was walking while she was doing the Facebook live to announce the winner and on the way up to waiting for her to come on Facebook Live, I was clicking random on Spotify. And if any of the songs were related to positivity or winning, I started to convince myself that this was a sign that I was going to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Absolutely um, love that. And as I am, um, we, we moved to the countryside two years ago and we were basically in like a, a bid to get this house and we had to you know, we were going to get it or not. And I had, I had everyone visualize their cars in the drive and I sent them photographs of the, of the driveway. And I'm like, I just want you to spend the next 24 hours imagining your car in my drive. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Like really feeling that it's happened is quite, I don't know, is it manifesting? Is it? I I don't know if I believe the manifesting thing or not, but you know, I won it. So something happened. Um, So I won this book deal and I was like, Alison, this is fantastic. Heads up, got a baby coming out in June. So we need to get cracking. So that was my deadline to get the first draft of the book done. So yeah, then literally like that was so you it. started I was, writing. Yeah, started writing a lot. <laughs> and how do you write a book in that amount of time and not get distracted, procrastinate? I'm a real geek and a planner. So I had a kind of breakdown of the minimum number of words I needed to do week by week. So I had to do 3000 words a week which isn't that much for me. Um, I'm a natural waffler. And if you're free writing, which I kind of was, um, you can, you can throw, you can dump that down quite quickly. And it was also, I'd already written a lot of blog posts. So I was rehashing a lot of content and just shoving it in. So none of it flowed, but it was kind of like, Oh, here's my, here's my blog post on how to pitch to a journalist. I'll shove that in. Here's my blog post on how to do personal photography. I'll shove that in. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of wasn't worried about it flowing or it making sense it wasn't you know it wasn't a kind of once upon a time flow yeah. it was you weren't being like, a perfectionist about it you weren't going okay I'm gonna get this sentence right and then do the next no sentence. no no it was literally just like get them just get the numbers down mm-hmm. so I had a spreadsheet which had how many words I'd allocated for each section and I just kept throwing words into each section until I hit word count and then I kept going and I think I actually ended up going over my word count by 22,000 right <laughs> Like but that was fine because then there was some there was lots of repetition and I could go in and strip a load of content out and actually yeah. my first version was full of quite a few swear words so I had to go through and 
remove all the swearing um and also i mean not advisable but adrienne got made redundant uh two days after i got my book deal which suddenly put him on gardening leave for five months so i was like great you can look after the kids and well kid at that time and i'm gonna spend the time where i used to be looking after the kids taking on extra work and writing the book so i'll i can bring in you know i can up my own income for a while and save up more money um you know bizarrely it actually worked in our favor i could actually pocket a bit more money away before i went on maternity leave yeah so you were able to fill that savings pot a bit more and write the book and so kind of like be absorbed in pr still doing pr which must have helped with the book writing i imagine and um and uh he was able to help with the kids oh that's good with the kid at the time um and so okay so you got the book and then the baby came yeah yeah um and just before baby came i pivoted the business again because we realized that adrian was not going to qualify for paternity leave if he took a job elsewhere so he joined the business as creative director and we were launching a branding and design arm so in may we launched our first product which was these 52 pr tips which he designed and i wrote so we started to market them we were starting to market him and launching him in the business to do branding and design um, so we just launched him in May and then in June, um, my baby was born and I was sort of thinking I'll be home the next day and then I'm just going to kind of lie around and really just take a break from, because I'd really, I'd been really running hard for that six months kind of thinking as soon as the baby comes I'm just going to completely step off yeah it's like um, you've gone from the kind of like the, the the hiding period to this very uh I suppose a public launch period for the book pre-promotion yeah you were on you were on loads it. of events loads of podcasts like as much publicity for myself as I could to just get my name out there and then I thought I'm probably going to hide for a couple of months and just let yeah. Adrienne take control because your goal was to have like the pro- your profile up you know really up and then and then that could happen and, and, and then you had a family business you know so you've yeah. gone from having the the classic agency style thing to to being a one-man band to then it becoming a family business and you were going to take a break that was the plan and then when my baby was born he was diagnosed with three congenial heart conditions he's actually now got four at um eight months um it wasn't something that was on the cards and it meant we were into a world of unknown yeah. rushed to like great Ormond street. And, um, you know, at one point we had that kind of awful phone call of like, you know, you need to come in now where he had life saving surgery at day six. So if it hadn't have been detected by our local hospital and we'd been sent home, I absolutely wouldn't be sat here talking to you with any kind of sane mind today. No, no. it must have um, been one of the most awful days. Yeah, it it was, it really was. And it, 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 at that point, it made me really refocus on what was important to me. Mm. And it was really, it was also really scary because 
on one side, it was great that Adrian and I were working for ourselves. So we didn't have to worry about reporting into our bosses. We didn't have to worry. You know, I could hear loads of dads on that ward freaking out that they were supposed to be returning back to work after a fortnight. Yeah, and feeling, even feeling had, the pressure of the boss saying, yeah. well, and, you're in great and they hadn't even had a paternity leave they'd just been sat watching their baby on a ventilator mm. um so you know on on one side we were lucky um but on the flip side you know there comes a complete lack of support we didn't have any backup sort of income plans it's not like there was anybody in the office that could do a whip round for us and actually the startup and freelance community was insane at that time like they sent us gifts people were sending us food had like moji was sending us like of their shots to keep us going and then they sent <laughs> us some like healthy food and um you know the freelance community really supported us lara from found and flourish set up a i think i can't remember, i think it's called like a kofi page so people yeah, can buy like us a coffee. coffee yeah and that was amazing and we were basically in and out of hospital um you know we got home after a month we had three weeks and then he got a wound infection. So I was back in sleeping in a hospital for a month. Um, and then after that, it was the emotional turmoil to recover from because mm-hmm. it wasn't, it, you know, those swathes at that time, I just don't even remember. Yeah, because you were, it was a trauma. You were in yeah. trauma. Yeah. Completely unexpected and in, you know, fight or flight. And when you're in that, your brain just doesn't remember yeah. things. I, you know, I literally, there's swathes of, from the last six months of 2019, I just, I, I don't remember any of it. I just, I literally just said to myself, and it was funny when you talked to Susie, I was like, those were so my coping mechanisms of take a walk every day and eat well and sleep. Because I was like, if I don't do that, I can't support the children yeah. and I can't keep the business going. Um, so that's what I had to do. We were also in a really lucky position that all of our clients and I think you were included in I that was, collection yeah. at one point as yeah. well. well. You were working like, on my website. Knew, knew us and were really understanding about our saying, look, you can either pause and we can refund you or you can just bear with us for a couple of weeks and then we'll be back and we're, um, we're going to deliver it still, but you just need to give us a bit of time. And every single person waited and sort of held hands with us and, and kind of took us through and, what, uh, and that was yeah but people people were human because you were human and I think that sometimes people like pretend everything's cool to try and keep work going and in in the small business world we do need to recognize that life happens and and, and curveballs come and mm. um and and you have worked you know you've built a client base of people that you enjoy working with which I know is one of your key values as well so um I'm, yeah. I'm pleased that you had that support from your client base <laughs> yeah and now we're kind of pivoting um you know the business around what life is going to look like with a child that could you know at a moment's notice need open heart surgery again which we had again we thought we kind of had you know a run-up of a couple of years and in December we were told he was having open heart surgery again in January 2020 mm. which we weren't expecting um so soon for that, we then were expecting to be off work for two to three weeks and we were home after five days. So all of it's sort of unexpected. So continuing moving forwards, we're going to have to be very open and honest with clients and the work that we take on. Adrienne is more full-time with the branding and design, so it doesn't affect him so much. But because I'm kind of the more on-call 
member of the of the parent squad for the hospital um, appointments I'm definitely now looking to sort of flex up what I'm doing so I'm not sure I'll ever go back to the 12 month retainer model ever again never say mm-hmm. never mm. at this stage with the kids at this, their ages and where are you where you're at you don't see that being a thing no just sort of ad hoc consultancy and white labeling here and there still for sure. But my favorite thing right now is doing lots of one-to-one coaching with people mm-hmm. um, and doing lots of kind of teaching. So I'm uh, an instructor for Jolt now, which is like an online business school. I'm doing lots of guest lectures with business schools and universities and with work hubs, like lots of work hubs book me for like paid sort of talks at lunchtime remotely, which is great for me because I can just hand the baby over to Adrienne for lunchtime shifts, do my hours talk on the computer, then take baby back and and get on with my sort of mumming day. Um, So yeah, it's really changed. It's really changed me even again, even to what I thought it was going to look like. Um, And and learning to settle and be okay with that has been quite, um, quite hard as well. Yeah. What are you, um, I suppose, what are you proud of in how you've pivoted your mindset to what you expected this year to be? Because I know the book, the book came out, the book launch was in January, just before his operation. And, mm. you know, you had to kind of readjust your expectations. How did you, what, what are you proud of in, in what you did there? <laughs> you know, it's so funny because the book almost went into a blow as well, like you said, because I launched the book and then a week later he was having surgery and I kind of, I had to not tell anybody just so I could get through that book launch because I didn't want people speaking to me about it at that event. Um, So it was all kind of like, it was all a bit buried. So it's hard, I guess, sort of the proudness, is, I guess, is surviving and still keeping the business going, still making an income and getting that book across the line and actually launching it, given everything that the universe had thrown at me to try and stop me doing it. Yeah. And now you've got this uh, business that is really flexible and that you can, you know, you, you can choose to dial up when you, when you do. And I know you're, you know, you're really focusing on the baby right now and um, Hadrian can do the branding arm. So what a journey. And what would you say your, I mean, I've talked about a lot of the challenges. What would you say the real key challenges have been? You know what? I think it's being kind to yourself Mm. um, and the expectations you set on yourself for your business. I hear lots of people talk about, you know, I've been going for this amount of time. I should have done this by now. or I wanted to do this. I'm the worst for it. So I wanted to hit Amazon number one. I did it. And then I was like, oh, but now I'm not in Sunday Times business (laughs) bestseller. And I move the goalposts all the time for myself and actually just surviving you know we've got funny times coming up ahead with coronavirus we do and I think for all of us like buckling down and just keeping each other going for the next few months is going to be it's going to be a really weird and testing time out there and it's very unprecedented um so I think just being kind to ourselves about what we can achieve and being proud of what we have achieved and resilience just get bucket loads of it <laughs> mm, mm. and had and you know you mentioned going for a walk how how are you filling your tank talking to you Liz is how <laughs> I fill my tank I yeah. mean I've definitely had a in all seriousness I've definitely had that panic call with you didn't I a few weeks ago I was like help my resilience levels yeah um I think it's having a support network in business um as well as with your friends um, one of the things I've been guilty of doing is sort of spreading it out across too many people because I don't want to put it on one or two. So I'm really learning to just 
focus on a couple of friendships that can support me. Um, and I just try and do lots of good things to myself, like go outside, read, do cooking, try and do exercise, you know, all the things that kind of Susie was talking about, like little self-care things that we can do. Um, I just try and implement as many of those things as I can, but the basic three of walking, eating and sleeping every day. Yeah. And it's so funny, isn't it? Like we've got to just get to basics when, when these crisis hits or, you know, we really need to be there for ourselves and everything else is, is, is making sure that we're getting those basics. Right. I, yeah. I just, I could just keep seeing that more and more. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny as well. That. I'm such a crier Liz, like normally <laughs> when, when something happens, and especially like really petty stuff, I can, I can really cry my eyes out. And at the moment they told me, you know, which was a life-changing moment when they told me your son is critically ill, he's going to need life-saving surgery in Great Ormond Street. We don't know what this is going to look like. You need to speak to a specialist. All we can say is it's very, very serious. I just went, I'm going to go and eat my macaroni cheese. Right. And that is not how I normally react to high level drama. Um, and it really surprised me. But I was like, Adrienne's got the baby. I need to just go. And the minute, as soon as I stepped out of that room, I hysterically cried down the corridor. Yeah. But there was just some weird maternal resilient survival instinct that was like, go and eat. Go and eat. And um it is amazing you know you, you know my, my son's also been in gosh and it's and it, it yeah. and you just you just find you just find more in you don't yeah you, you just yeah. suddenly you just find more um but we've just got to keep filling up our tanks to keep going oh thank you so much and so what are your biggest high five moments um <laughs> since that first pivot you know back two years ago i think getting the book deal um, actually, I think the marshmallowists, because I was working with them on the CBD marshmallows. So when they went viral, that was really fun. Yeah. And I also worked on a fish and chip shop at the time who launched a vegan arm. And at peak, I think I got over 200 pieces of press coverage for them, which included an interview in the New York Times. Woo, and it was just so shop. random because <laughs> it was just me. And they were on global news across the world because Bloomberg, I got the food critic of Bloomberg down. So they were suddenly on like Bloomberg TV. Like it just went bananas. And I was like, it's just little old me in my garden office making this go crazy getting um, the world news oh well done yeah so um but I get little high fives all the time like people who've read the book and they've suddenly got themselves on the radio or they're like oh I've got the confidence now to get my headshots like I get lots of lovely little pitter patters of applauses all the time which keep me going yeah it's nice to hear the little the little bits of feedback along the way isn't it that's why you yeah. do what you do I imagine yeah yeah totally and, and so what would the old you say to the new you why didn't you do this sooner Ooh. <laughs> like why, why did you get distracted and also I think choose your mentors wisely right um, we we can all get influenced by the people around us and I think we can really get sucked into charming people um and actually then and, and lose what it is we're really doing yeah so it's about maybe building mentors with people that are doing things that you want to do or you're aspiring yeah. to um <laughs> because otherwise you, yeah like you said earlier you're gonna you're ending ending up following advice for something that's not really your dream 
Um, and uh, that's really good advice. Um, and so I am asking every guest this, um, what do you think the formula is to pivoting? You know, what, what, what bits, what combo of things do you need to be able to make a change in life? <laughs> Resilience plus enthusiasm <laughs> would be my formula resilience plus enthusiasm oh thank you so much it's been an absolute joy to hear your story and for you to share and thank you for being so open and so where what is next for you and where can everybody find you so you know what i think i might do a little vacay to the south of france to just completely step away and think about what my next kind of big steps are going to be but i think it's going to be a kind of a, a slight pivot on what i'm doing now um so watch this space still obviously in the pr teaching world but probably more of a supportive side to adrian for the short term as well and do more kind of use him as my client and promote him a bit more mm. Lovely, constant. We're always pivoting, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's not. It's not just one change. It's constant to just keep refining and making things work for the time in your life where you're at. Um, lovely. And so your book is called Hype Yourself. It's on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and please buy it for yourself or for other people and help. My whole line is like help this small business, help other small businesses. Lovely. Thank you so much, Lucy. Thank you, Liz. Thanks for having me. listening to the slick pivot sessions with me liz ward the podcast for life's achievers and believers i hope you've enjoyed listening to this as much as i've enjoyed making it please take a moment to rate and review on apple or google or wherever you get your podcasts this helps us to grow and bring you amazing guests like lucy the show notes have all the links and references from today's session and for your weekly dose of pivot inspiration sign up to slick pivot sunday my weekly newsletter just visit slickpivot.com. And until our next session together, stay nimble and remember, no pivot is ever 